Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Listen up, muckerfathers. If you just can't get enough of 83 weeks, we've got tons more waiting for you over at adfreeshows.com. Bonus episodes, all the archives with zero, yes, I said zero ads. Plus, we've got interactive events and experiences with yours truly. You can ask me anything. Chat one-on-one during our live Locked and Loaded events. And if you joined us in Chicago this year for Top Guy Weekend, we got to hang out the entire freaking weekend, and it was a blast. I can't wait for Top Guy Weekend 2022. Hey, want to hear me rip Greg Gagne, Vince Russo, and others a new one on our popular Eric Fires Back series? I eviscerate Twitter trolls on me tweet receipts, plus bonus watch-alongs and tons more. Do yourself a favor right now. Google the internet, and you won't find a better value in all of wrestling than over at adfreeshows.com. You not only get 83 weeks, but all of Conrad Thompson's podcast early and ad-free and on video for as low as $9 a month. Come on, man. You can't beat it. Join the family today at adfreeshows.com. Hey y'all, it's Rebel with AEW. And when I'm not with the doctor helping her dominate the women's division, you can find me on adfreeshows.com every other Sunday, hosting my personal happy hour, Rebel's Happy Hour. And I would love for you to join me. It's an hour long of drinking, laughing, a little Q&A, maybe some guest surprises, and just chatting about whatever's on your mind. I promise it's a good time. And yes, it is all face to face. So do it now, do it today. Sign up at adfreeshows.com and become a top guy. And tell him Rebel sent you. Mwah. And I'm last number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Whew. Christmas is finally behind us, but are you dreading those credit card bills headed your way? Well, here's a pro tip. Don't get stuck making minimum payments in the new year. Savewithconrad.com can help you get rid of your credit card debt just like that. Oh, and we're going to get you the best deal on a mortgage you've ever had. But how's this for starters? No payments until March. You don't need money out of your pocket or perfect credit. So find out how much money you can save for free right now at savewithconrad.com.
Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. Eric, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing great. Just, just awesome. And by the way, I, I 200th episode last week. Yeah, and I pulled up lame, and I wasn't even here for it. I'm sorry. You didn't pull up lame, man. You were you were enjoying the beach, <laughs> celebrating your beautiful wife's birthday, hanging out with your family, watching Alabama. We won't talk about that too much, but I know what you were doing. It was awesome. I'm not going to lie, uh, but I, I did hate that I got to uh, miss Conan because what a great figure for WCW. Uh, so cool. So legit. And it was our 200th episode, but today we're going to keep that momentum going. Talk about somebody else who became pretty damn cool on this date, January 13th, 1997. Uh, as you and I are uh, recording this, we just passed the 25th anniversary of a very special nitro. Uh, this is going to really transform the career of diamond Dallas page. And, uh, I'm excited to talk about it, man. I just, I love talking about 96, 97 and. Man, WCW was just on a tear here, were they not? They were indeed. By, by the way, before we uh, continue, I, we got so much positive feedback on Conan from last week's show, or Conan, I should say, that um, I'm going to arrange to have a follow-up um, interview on adfreeshows.com where Conan's going to come on and we'll talk about his career. Now, I haven't made contact yet with Conan. We've been, I've been sending texts and DMs and things like that, but I'm confident he'll join the show. I'll try to get that wrapped up this weekend. But I'd love to sit down on ad free shows with Conan and really get into his career. Because in doing that show, as so often happens when I do these podcasts, um, I learn something, you know, through the research that Derek Sabato does with us. And, and I'm, there's a lot I don't know about Conan and I want to find out. So we're going to make that happen here on adfreeshows.com. Be on the lookout. Bolo, bolo, bolo. Conan episode, adfree shows coming your way soon. By the way, speaking of adfree shows, I hate to, uh, to just shill here right at the top of the show, but you and I have been talking a little bit about a couple of different things that we're going to be bringing to the forefront. We have some new series that we're going to be announcing. We've got our next two conversations with Conrad lockdown. We've got a whole nother spinoff of that project. Uh, we've got some charity stuff coming up, some very special events Adfreeshows.com is going to level up in a major way in 2022. And man, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm counting the days to some of these special events myself, because this is the 25th anniversary and the 35th anniversary of some pretty major stuff. I mean, WrestleMania three is a 35 year anniversary this year. And, uh, ECW's first pay-per-view was a 25 year anniversary and Starcade 97 Hogan sing a 25th anniversary. We are going to have so much fun this year. Uh, and we're actually getting the fun started next weekend, uh, with myself and, and, and Jeff Jarrett and Eric Bischoff all in the same place at the same time, St. Louis, here we come, man. Tickets are on sale now, Eric and Jeff live.com. And this is no holds barred. We're not recording this, Eric. So no, you, we are not, we, we can tell stories <laughs> that's called Conrad, where I come from. That's called evidence. <laughs> what I like about it though, for real is you can ask these guys anything you want. And if they know it's not being recorded, it's a safe space. It's stuff we say here on the show, as you know, Eric gets chopped up and disseminated and it becomes clickbait all over the place. And Hey, we're, we're happy for that, but there's 
consequences for that. Cause sometimes you don't want to hurt feelings and you have to be careful with what you say, I think, as you like to say, but we're going to get to let it rip tater chip in St. Louis next week. Are we not? <laughs> yeah. And, and really, you know, putting a governor, so to speak on my, on my mouth is really difficult doing these podcasts because I'm, you know, there's certain things I'm really passionate about. And sometimes I get a little too passionate. So I, you know, I check myself as we do these podcasts as best I can. I often fail, but that's okay. Uh, but when we do live shows, all bets are off. You know, it's just, let's have some fun. Let's open it up, pull the trigger and let it fly. And the other thing I'm looking forward to, honestly, and this is so, this is again, this is why I love being involved with you and all the stuff that you're doing and obviously podcasts, but you know, I've known Jeff, I don't know for how long, 25 years more. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Um, and we've had, you know, different relationships throughout that. Meaning there's been times when he and I were both talent or he worked for me or whatever the case. So as long as I've known Jeff, I've never really sat down and had a conversation with Jeff about his view or, or, or his perspective as, as a little kid growing up, you know, it, it, in the situation where his father owned the promotion, all the big names that came through that territory early on while Jeff was, you know, still dealing with puberty. <laughs> and he has so much perspective. And then fast forward, you know, Jeff and Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan, there was some cross wires going on there. And I know Jeff was part of the periphery of all that, but Jeff's relationship with Russo during that period of time is one thing that I like to ask some questions about, not necessarily in a confrontational way, not necessarily in a confrontational way. Hopefully it won't end up that way, but just, just a lot. I want to learn about Jeff Jarrett and to be able to, you know, have that experience live in front of, you know, a room full of our fans and family members is going to be a blast. And, you know, Josh Rosenboom is coming out. Uh, Denovius Mack is coming out. I'm sure there's a lot of others that are going to be there that are part of the Ed Free Show's family, but I, I think it's going to be a riot. And we've got at least one special surprise, maybe two. So you don't want to miss it. It's uh, Eric and Jeff live.com. I want to mention too, that doors open early for VIP. So not only will you get like the best seats in the house, but you'll get a, a special piece of swag. You can't buy anywhere else. You get your chance to meet both Jeff and Eric. You'll get an autographed date by 10 of each. You get your photo with each and they'll even sign one of your personal items. So, uh, come join us and uh, add to your collection and hear some great stories. You can't hear anywhere else. We're going to talk about Dixie Carter. We're going to talk about Tony Khan. We're going to talk about Vince McMahon. It's, it's going to be a, uh, quite the spectacle with at least one major surprise and maybe two. So join us. It's the day of the Royal rumble in St. Louis. And by the way, we'll be done hours before the Royal rumble gets starts. We're only a couple of miles away from the building. So you'll be in your seat, ready to enjoy the rumble. Let's make a day of it. Come join us in St. Louis. It's Saturday of the Royal rumble, the 29th right there in St. Louis. And the way to get tickets, of course, is Eric and Jeff live.com. And let's talk about going live because that's what we're going to be doing in a watch along. We want you to fire up this episode. I absolutely love 1997 nitros. I know you will too. This is on the Peacock network as season three, episode two, it went down again, January 13th, 1997. So pull up Peacock type in nitro, scroll down to season three, episode two. I'll give you a little bit of a countdown. And when I say play, we'll press play. Eric, are you ready?
I am indeed my friend. Let's do it, man. Here we go. In three, two, one play. Ooh, here it comes. The tension builds. The energy escalates as we see shit blowing up. Oh, story open. Ladies and gentlemen. Come on! 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 We come to you from New Orleans and the Superdome with Nitro. You were looking just a few seconds ago as the Giant apparently had gotten his own cameraman was confronting Hogan. And Larry, did you hear what he said? Well, he, was, mean, he was yelling the word coward, pointing his finger at Hogan and yelling coward, Tony. You know what that means. Well, apparently what I heard from what the sounds that we could uh, disentangle from the back that Hogan is not going to face the Giant at this sold-out event they got coming up on January 25th. Hogan is chickening out? Apparently, what? that was the gist of that. So there you go. That's the groundwork as we see uh, Mr. JL coming to the ring. Of course, we know that's Jerry Lynn, one of the greatest wrestlers that ever lived. And here he is under a hood. And what a way to kick off Nitro. A hot open, if you will. We didn't even get to finish the Nitro open. And bam, the action is live. And we've got a hot issue with the giant being kicked out of the NWO after 119 days, which I believe is a record for the shortest run as a member of the NWA. And, uh, yeah, what a moment that was. And now we see Mr. JL's opponent is going to be Chavo Guerrero. So this should be some good wrestling. This is what's great about nitro. You get started with, here's our main story. Here's our a thread. If you will, uh, we're going to tease what's coming. So stay tuned for that. But, oh, by the way, in the meantime, Here's a couple of badass wrestlers to steal the show to start the show. Hot crowd too, man. In case you're not watching, I don't, I don't know if this was a capacity, if it was a sellout or not. I'm sure uh, we'll we'll learn that throughout this episode. But whether it was a sellout or not, this is a hot crowd. Looking for a great Mother's Day or Father's Day gift idea? I was, and I found it at Paint Your Life. With Paint Your Life, you'll get a hand painted portrait created to fit almost any budget. And it's a great gift idea for your mother, your father, or both. You say paint your life transforms your photos into a one of a kind, beautiful hand painted portrait created by professional artists. You upload anything you can imagine. You can even combine photos. You'll pick the artist, the medium. You can even customize the frame and you can receive your painting in as little as two weeks. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at painterlife.com. And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's right. 20% off and free shipping to get this special offer. Just text the word weeks to 87204. That's weeks to 87204. Text weeks to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. So it's the new year and magic spoon is perfect for meeting your goals, whether it's eating healthier or saving more time in your morning routine. Magic spoon fits perfectly into your new year's resolutions as well as my own. Listen, everybody is trying to eat better in the new year. 
And you're probably thinking, man, I can't eat anything anymore. I mean, that's probably why we gave up cereal in the first place, right? I mean, growing up cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid, but once we get a little older and we realize it's full of sugar and junk, we shouldn't be eating. We probably scale it back. And now in the new year, as I said, we're trying to eat better. By the way, healthy breakfast doesn't have to be boring. Thanks to magic spoon. Magic spoon has the amazing flavors you love without all the bad stuff. And it's amazing as a midnight snack right before bed. If you've been trying to cut down on carbs, sugar, unhealthy food, don't feel like you can't eat anything fun. This is a home run. I'm talking about magic spoon. It's zero grams of sugar. It's 13 to 14 grams of protein, and it's only four net grams of carbs in each serving. By the way, it's only 140 calories a serving. It's keto friendly. It's gluten free. It's grain free. It's soy free. It's low carb, and you can even build your own box. Check all these available flavors out for your very own custom bundle. They've got cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies and cream, and even maple waffle. Go to magicspoon.com forward slash 83 weeks to grab a custom bundle of cereal and start your new year off right. Be sure to use our promo code 83 weeks at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, They'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash 83 weeks. And remember to use the code 83 weeks to save $5 off. And we thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring today's episode. Man, I love talking about chili sleep. It's been a game changer in my life. I'm telling you, as you're listening to this, I'm getting ready to go on vacation. Uh, My wife's birthday's coming up. We're going to go out of town for a few days. And something I did this last year is add chili sleep to my life. I'm sleeping better than ever. So much so that, uh, I have to admit they actually hooked us up with a chili sleep to try it out, but I wanted the big daddy. I went back and got the double side and I used our promo code to save some cash. So now Megan and I both have a chili sleep, but when we go on the road, buddy, now I've got a travel chili sleep. That's right. I have two chili sleeps. Why in the world do I have two chili sleeps? Because it's that good. I don't want to go on vacation and not get the best sleep of my life. That's when I really want that sleep. I want chili sleep with me, man. It's a part of my life. Science tells us the best way to achieve and maintain consistent deep sleep is by lowering your core body temperature. Temperature controlled sleep restores your testosterone levels. It repairs your muscles after a hard day's work and it improves your cognitive function. So you always start your day feeling sharp and alert. Now, Chili Sleep makes customizable climate-controlled sleep solutions that help you improve your entire well-being. Check this out. Chili Sleep makes the Uller and the Cube Sleep System hydropower temperature-controlled mattress toppers that fit over your existing mattress to provide you your ideal sleep temperature. These luxury mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep, whether you sleep hot or cold. These sleep systems are designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy to power through your day. Imagine waking up and not feeling tired. Chili Sleep can make that happen. For an extra layer of comfort, they also make the Chili Blanket, the only weighted blanket that can also be paired with a control unit for the ultimate sweat-free sleep. Head over to chilisleep.com forward slash 83 weeks to learn more and check out a special offer available exclusively for 83 weeks listeners and only for a limited time. That's chili, C-H-I-L-I, sleep.com slash 83 weeks to take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up feeling refreshed every day. Check it out, guys. I love this so much so I gave one for Christmas. You're welcome, Casio and Judy. It's chilisleep.com forward slash 83 weeks.
Meltzer would say the show itself is an accomplishment for a lot of reasons. The show drew 10,034 paid with a gate of $104,785 to the Superdome. This is the first nitro that ever drew more than 10,000 people and the first since Bill Watts to draw like that in new Orleans. So this is a pretty major accomplishment. Uh, you know, the first ever 10,000 seat nitro. Now I know that we've covered a lot of big moments here for WCW. And when you think about the nitro, that's going to happen the following year at the Georgia dome for Goldberg Hogan. Okay. This pales in comparison. However, context is King. As we like to say here on the show, this is January of 97. Uh, WCW had not had a lot of 10,000 seat crowds ever. Uh, and, and this is a time where we're just a few years removed from there being house shows that had hundreds of folks, not thousands of folks. And I know we take crowd size for granted, but this whole AEW thing that everybody's talking about these days, it really got kicked off and heated up off of a tweet that Dave Meltzer didn't believe that Cody and the young bucks could sell 10,000 seats. And we know they did all in was, was a huge success. Now AEW is, is off to the races, but nitro here, a 10,000 seat or a 10,000 ticket seller for a Monday night television show, not a pay-per-view, not something we've built to a, to a major, you know, collision course of, for the world ti- world title or what have you just a regular old Monday nitro and 10,000 folks are there. You had to be thrilled with this, Eric. You know, you bring up something that's really, really important. When you talk about, you know, the growth of nitro and, and all that, you're right. You know, we do, and I, I, we become kind of like, you know, brain blind to it because we hear about these big crowds so often now it's not big news. Like it used to be, you know, WCW never had, you know, success in house shows, pay-per-view television, live events or otherwise. Um, but the, the interesting thing that you pointed out is that this is over 10,000 people for a free television show yes not a pay-per-view yes no special nothing this is storyline driven driven it's character driven and it's ten thousand people for a television show on a school night on On a a school school night yeah so it is pretty cool and it's a it's a it's a important distinction between big attendance at a pay-per-view or big attendance for a television show uh, I want to mention as, as you heard there, we're, we're on a, a build for the sold out pay-per-view. This will be the very first NWO pay-per-view, the very first sold out. And it's been regarded as well, one of the more or less than awesome WCW pay-per-views. And we're going to be reliving that in a live watch along, uh, later this month over an ad free shows. It's uh, an Eric Bischoff creation. And we're going to put you in the hot seat later this month, dude. That's going to be fun for one of us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we've got a, uh, every shows, uh, family member, her name is Anishka. She's lives in the UK. And I saw when I got up this morning, you know, to get ready for this podcast, I was going through my, you know, first thing I do is get my coffee and kind of go through social media, see what's new in the world that we may want to talk about. And Anishka, somebody was talking about the, one of the, um, one of the, women from, from, uh, the NWO sold out beauty contest that I made out with. And Anushka said she had to be wetter than an otter's pocket. <laughs> and it was like, I have never heard anything like that, especially coming from a woman. So I thought it was very funny. I don't know. It's probably early in the morning and my sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I, I want to mention there's uh, some news and notes behind the scenes before we get into that, as we see Chavo Guerrero signaling for some big move and the fans are rowdy for it. Look at those fans. They're going banana here for that big moonsault. And that gets it done. Chavo gets the win here in our opener. Brian, yeah, we skipped over, we, you know, we, we talked over a lot of great action here, but this is, you know, don't, we shouldn't have just passed by this match. We just have so much to talk about, but this is a great match. You know, go back and take a look, young Chavo Guerrero. And this is, you know, he's not playing, he's not a gimmick now. This is Chavo Guerrero. And he did such a great job in this match. And, you know, can't say it enough, man. Jerry Lynn, from a, a presentation point of view, as a wrestler, one of the best of all time. Great match. Was there ever any consideration of taking the hood off of him? I mean, he, he's not a quote unquote luchador. Uh, this is just, uh, a gimmick for him, if you will, not necessarily a way of life. Would you have considered that? Or did you, was that not a focus at the time? It wasn't a focus at the time. And as I'm watching this, I'm kind of kicking myself in the ass for it. You know, Jerry Lynn, you know, I've talked about this before with you a lot of times, you know, timing is such an important component of somebody's career trajectory in, in anything, no matter what business it is. Um, and Jerry Lynn, he didn't get the shot. He really deserved. Um, he was a much better performer than the positioning of him would suggest and, uh, kind of missed the boat on Jerry Lynn. So the answer was, did I ever consider it? No. The follow-up response. Fuck me. I wish I would have. Now I think it's interesting. Tony Schiavone just reminded us just to sort of set the stage of how big league this is two weeks ago, they had the sugar bowl here. Two weeks from now, they'll have the Super Bowl here. But tonight, it's all about Monday Nitro. I know that doesn't seem like a big deal, and maybe we gloss over it. But let's not forget that once upon a time, Jim Crockett Promotions was running shows, as was the WWF and high school gyms. And now we're presenting a live wrestling show, not a pay per view, but a free television show on a school night in the same site that hosts the Sugar Bowl and the Super Bowl. It's a pretty big damn deal for the company to even be in the Superdome, wouldn't you agree? I would, and it was pretty risky. And you know, to, to kind of go into the the weeds a little bit, which I haven't done on this show in a long time. You know, when you contemplate or you're starting to think about where you want to do what shows and and your schedule and your routing and all those things, you know, you take into consideration well, what else is going on in the market? You know, if you know the obvious one was WWE, WWF, I'm in the market, you know, relatively you know, soon before our event, or are they coming in right after our event? Because regardless of whether it's before or after, you know, over a 30 day window, you're taking money out of the marketplace. You know, people only have so much disposable income. Now we're at the Superdome right in the middle, you know, you sure bowl taking money out of the marketplace, Super Bowl, <laughs> taking a buck or two out of the marketplace. And here we come in on a Monday night for a television show and despite the amount of you know financial resources that have been taken out of the marketplace for these other big events, we're still selling over 10,000 tickets. It really is amazing. I wish I would have appreciated it more while it was happening because, you know, I, I appreciate it much more now than I did then. And by the way, the sugar bowl happens around the holiday season. So a lot of people are off work or it's easy to schedule a vacation or what have you. The super bowl is what it is. The super bowl, this again. A Monday night in the same market. It's uh pretty remarkable. 
I want to mention too, that, uh, you're not the only company running a dome the same month. The WWF is going to try to run the Royal rumble at the Alamo dome in San Antonio in front of 60,000 folks. But again, that's a pay-per-view and, uh, Jim Cornette famously said in in a kayfabe commentary shoot interview, I think he was doing a WWF timeline of 97. Can't recommend Sean Oliver stuff enough if you're into that sort of thing. But he says, uh, instead of having a, a show that needed a dome, we had a dome that needed a show. The WWF is trying to just compete and keep up. They are firmly in the back seat here. WCW's running things as we see Hacksaw Jim Duggan waving a WCW flag. I know what you're thinking. Where's the American flag? Well, remember, this is the height of the whole WCW versus the NWO thing. So we need somebody to come out here and rally the crowd that, oh, and look who it is. It's sting. This is shocking. Here, but Duggan is out. Tony, I just got goosebumps. I don't believe this. Look in the eyes of Sting, how dark they've become. They've gotten to him. Sting, totally walking in, dropping Duggan on the back of his head. And look at the face of Sting as he totally walks out. Duggan said, stand up and be a man. And he didn't. He attacked him from the back like a rat like a member of the New World Order. All right, I'm being told by our producers now we are desperately trying to get another match here for this segment. So I love that. You know, the the let's process what we've seen so far in this show. We're only 12 minutes and 29 seconds in. We had a hot open with the Giant trying to bum rush the NWO locker room and, and go after Hulk Hogan. Then we had some really high flying cruiserweight stuff, a really great match that went four minutes and 15 seconds that Meltzer called a shockingly good opener with Jerry Lynn and Chavo. Then we get a more heritage star, someone that everyone in the crowd is familiar with. Maybe they didn't know about Chavo or they didn't know about JL, but they knew they saw a great match. Now they're seeing a name. They grew up watching hacksaw, Jim Duggan, you know, perennial good guy, if you will. And then here comes sting with a uh, fresh coat of paint and he's going to drop him. And that leads to the story of, is he with us or is he with them? But for him to do that to a guy, literally waving the WCW flag, it builds the intrigue for sting. We're just a couple of segments into the show. And this is a badass nitro already, man. What a, what a way to kick off a show, right? You're telling stories. You're reminding people of what happened last week. You know, you, and what I was really doing there is not just reminding people of what happened last week but subtly subconsciously telling them what they need to be looking forward to on this show. And it's a great, you know, it's nothing new, any great episodic, you know, series that's out there, whether it's on, you know, HBO or, or, or Hulu or Netflix, if it's an episodic series, typically they will give you what you would think is just, Oh, this is a reminder of what happened <clears throat> last week. That's not really what they're doing folks again, into the weeds, just a little bit. What they're really doing, in addition to jogging your memory, is telling you what's important and what you need to be looking out for in this episode. And that was something that I learned from um, a very successful producer back in the mid-90s and kind of applied to, to Nitro. And it worked. And to this day, I can't 
figure out, you know, I, I tried to, I, I raised this flag when I was in WWE <clears throat> on my last four minute run. Uh, why are we not doing that? Why are we not telling people how to watch the show? And the answer I got was, well, we tried it. We don't want to do it anymore. So, okay. Just bring it up, but it works folks, whatever it is, you know, Dexter, the new, you know, the new version of Dexter tremendous, great storytelling technique tells you what to think about, what to look for, what to anticipate. I think it's a missing component. And it's one that worked really well for nitro, especially here in 97 Jericho's Shout out, Barrick, let's talk about what we're watching at Jericho here coming out. Second, uh, Sergeant Craig Pittman is, uh, his opponent. Of course, this is going to be an opportunity to feature Jericho. Who's only been in the company at this point, a short time. But think about the roster, what we've seen so far, you know, giant Hogan, Doug and sting, uh, Chavo JL, and now Jericho and Pittman. Well, what a, a big diverse roster. I want to mention two things just to add context to the attack that we saw, uh, for sting and Duggan. Duggan in his, uh, pre-match interview with mean gene was frustrated with sting and basically called him a sissy. Uh, saying, uh, Hey, you need to pick a side or, you know, you're with us or you're with them and all that deal. That's the reason Sting attacked him. So it wasn't just out of the blue, but what is interesting is the move that Sting used, which we know is the scorpion death drop. This is the episode where that name is revealed for the very first time. So he he's done the move before, but this is the first time we heard it referred to as the scorpion death drop. As we see the replay here. Right in the kiss or missile drop kick for uh, Sergeant Craig Pittman. Take a bite out of that, and Jericho gets it done. One, two, three. Pittman, one of the uh, unsung heroes of WCW, in that man, he knew how to make guys look good. I mean, he looked like an Im- imposing figure himself. He looks like a real life GI Joe action figure, and he can do that with the big guys or with a cruiserweight like Chris Jericho. Yeah, and that missile drop kick, by the way, off the top turnbuckle was. I don't know that you could get a more precise. Uh, better executed drop kick than we just saw. I had a great camera angle on it too. Even in slow motion with a pretty tight shot at that drop kick looked passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance, superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, led headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Awesome. You know, we love to enlighten here on 83 Weeks. So let's enlighten our audience, Paul, a little bit about coffee. Did you know that 90% of the coffee from the grocery store is actually stale? Stale! You heard that right. The coffee you know and think you love needs an upgrade. Instead of rebuying the same old, same old, same old, let Trade Coffee send you something freshly roasted that you're literally guaranteed 
to really love. Trade sells the freshest roasted and ethically sourced beans from America's best independent roasters. They ship free to you as often as you like, whole or ground. Whether you're a coffee nerd, and I admit, Paul, I am a bit of a coffee nerd, or maybe you just want a better daily cup. Trade Coffee's real experts taste test over 400 roasts and use technology to match your ideal coffee based on your preferences and brewing method. You can take the coffee quiz to get started. Paul, this is really cool because Trade Coffee guarantees you'll love your first bag or they're going to replace it free. Now, Trade's been featured by the New York Times, Wired, GQ, and has delivered over 5 million bags of coffee. The subscription is no hassle. Skip the shipment, change the frequency, or cancel anytime you want. That's one of the things that I love about Trade, as we all know. Finding your favorite products now in any of your favorite big box uh, retail outlets is getting tougher and tougher. And there's nothing worse than going to the store hoping to score your favorite coffee only to get there and see an empty shelf. No problem, no hassle with Trade. Trade ships it right to your door and you can cancel, skip anytime you want. It's outstanding. Now, I took the coffee quiz. I got to be honest, I wasn't really surprised because I expected it to be tailored to my taste, and it really was. But here's what I really dig about trade coffee. I, I look at coffee the way some people look at wine, Paul. I really do. And you, if you love wine, you love to explore. It's a journey to find that next hidden gem, that, that perfect wine that you had never really heard of or maybe only read about occasionally, and you finally get a chance to taste it. And you swear, even though the, the wine you thought you loved, it's no longer the wine you love best. And the same thing can happen in trade, man. Over 400 choices. Are you kidding me? Take the journey. You'll be glad you did. And for our listeners right now, Trade Coffee is offering a total of $20 off your first three bags when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash 83 weeks. To get started, you take the quiz at drinktrade.com trade.com forward slash 83 weeks and you start your journey you kick it off to find your perfect cup that's drinktrade.com forward slash 83 weeks for 20 dollars off your first three bags i think you're gonna love it let's take a time out here and while we normally have a lot of fun on this show this is a pretty serious topic life insurance specifically goliath life insurance let me give you a pro tip. We're all going to die. So before you get a visit from the undertaker, think just for a second about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow with life insurance from goliathlife.com. What we're really talking about is protecting what you've worked so hard to provide for both you and more importantly, your family. You see, life insurance isn't about you. It's about those who matter the most to you. Sure. You do a great job taking care of them now. But who would do that if something awful happened to you? I just lost two friends in the last year and a half, one 42 with two kids, the other 46 who left behind a wife and three kids. Thank God they had insurance. And Hey, I hear you. Nobody wants to think or talk about life insurance, but think about this. You might not get in a car accident, but you have auto insurance. You might not get sick, but you have health insurance. So we'll protect our car and we'll even protect ourselves from like crazy medical bills. But will we protect our family? That's what life insurance means to me. Peace of mind. 
Goliathlife.com streamlines the life insurance purchase process by allowing you to get quotes from more than 20 carriers all at the same time and at the same place. Goliathlife.com. You'll do a fast and easy application and have multiple quotes within minutes. And oh, by the way, Goliathlife.com has solutions for every budget. And maybe best of all, you pick your terms and payments at Goliathlife.com. Once you pick your price, you can start the online application immediately. And check this out. You can even schedule the medical exam to happen in your home. You don't even have to leave the house to do this. And yes, I have done this. They sent someone to my office. It was fast. It was easy. And it was unlike anything I expected. I got to skip the phone calls, the paperwork and the crazy invasive conversations, and even the multiple visits to the doctor's office that we all hate so much. Goliathlife.com makes buying life insurance simple. Goliathlife.com promises no hidden fees, no upsell, no hassle, hell, not even a phone call. Goliathlife.com is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. I'm glad you said that because I don't think this crew gets enough credit, but man, you guys had some badass guys working on the production side of things to be able to anticipate that be in the right spot at the right time. I mean, as we come back from commercial, just look at this shot. We're getting a, a tight shot of the lights and then pan up and here's the entrance. The production folks that you had. I know everybody always points out the bad stuff and they say, Oh, well they missed this or they missed that. Well, how about let's talk about the 99% of the time they fucking nailed it. Yeah. That's Craig leathers, you know, in addition to a, a great team of others, obviously, but, uh, Craig leathers, when this show went live, we're ready to go. Craig leathers was in the captain seat and had his, uh, had his fingers on it completely. So great job. Craig leathers was a, a undersung uh, director actually should, should probably still be out there doing it today. I got to tell you too, as we see high voltage coming to the ring as a kid, you know, I'm, uh, I don't know, 15 years old watching this. I'm thinking, man, they could do something with high voltage. I mean, they're a pretty good looking tag team. And here comes another great looking tag team, the Harlem heat. I know timing's everything, but I think those are a couple of power plant guys uh, who did their thing on the independence and then sharpened the, their skills and honed their craft. Uh, here in WCW, but it feels like with, uh, maybe a new gimmick, maybe a different persona, high voltage could have been something. I mean, those now I get, you know, these days people want every tag team to look like the young bucks and I'm a fan of the young bucks. I'm just saying in the, the mold that you were looking for of professional wrestlers, high voltage checked a lot of boxes. They did indeed, but they lacked that one thing that I think, you know, separates those who have the potential from those who are counting money, um, is my skills, man. Yeah. The ability to take that character and build upon it beyond what they're capable of doing in the ring, beyond what their look may have been. And that was the only thing that held them back. I think as the story goes, high voltage was actually the, uh, quote unquote gimmick that Matt Hardy was trying out for himself in a, uh, a tape that he sent in as like an audition, you know, lots of guys were trying to get hired back in the day and they would send in a tape of themselves doing promos and maybe some highlights of some matches or some high flying moves or what have you. Well, as the story goes, Matt Hardy sent that into the power plant referring to himself as high voltage. And next thing you know, here comes a tag team on WCW TV called high voltage. Wow. That sucks. 
It's actually probably better for Matt Hardy because in truth, high voltage is kind of a lame deal. Oh, but that sucks though. You know that, I mean, that would take the wind out of your sails. You're a young, young, uh, performer trying to break into the business. You've worked on something. You, you put together this demo tape, hoping that it's going to catch the imagination of whoever's going to be watching it. You know, I'm sure at this stage of Matt's career, he was pretty excited to get a gig anywhere. And then to see your shit on television, I can laugh about it now, but and I'm sure Matt can too, but in the moment that had to suck. Bad. Oh, for sure. Oh man. How about that? After a little incommunicado there with chaos and uh, Booker T rage comes in. Oh man. He's busting back in backstage. Oh, he's not in control of himself. Look what he's doing. You gave me your word, you coward. I'm your nightmare I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. I'm here. Is that too much of the good stuff to have him bust down the door again, a second time? Yeah, that was a mistake. That was a mistake. You know, there, there, there is a wait, less wait, what are you saying rule here? that should apply. He didn't say. Ain't no lights on there, baby. Somebody no forgot to tell him to get a title shot. You got to have a contract. I don't believe it. You know, this whole deal, man, it's not about who's the best because we know the NWO's the best. It's the psychology. It's the psych. It's the intimidation. Did you say something about dumb? Duh and dumb. That's oh. him. He <laughs> put the duh and dumb. So we you had a little. rocking that fanny pack there, bro? The fanny pack that matched the leather jacket. That was that's some badass retro shit going on there. Retro. Michael Hayes is still rocking that today in 2022. Michael Hayes is retro. I love Michael Hayes, but he's as retro as you get. What was in the fanny pack? Tell the truth. Um, let's see at that time. I probably would have had my phone in there. Um, some cash. I might've had a couple bucks in cash and a credit card. Uh, might've had a starter kit. Who knows? Hard to tell. Starter kits are explained over at adfreeshows.com. What I want to remind everybody is what the giant is so upset about is he won the world war three, three ring battle Royal, where the winner is supposed to get a title shot, of course. And now of course he wants a shot at the world title and Hulk Hogan's not giving it to him. It's an age old storyline. You know, we, we all remember back when sting earned a title shot when he was a member of the horseman and he wanted a shot at flair's title. And well, that was the end of sting and the horseman. Apparently, uh, the giant missed the memo because he's now, uh, out of the NWO. Yeah. Square peg round hole. I said that last week with re- reference to Conan in, um, the, uh, dungeon of doom. It was just bad casting. And so was giant in the NWO. That was bad casting. It, you know, it made sense in some ways on paper, but he was much better outside of NWO than he would have been inside. And that had a lot to do with the short run. Let's talk about something else. That's uh, in the news. Uh, according to uh, the observer, JJ Dillon is now in charge of the WCW hotline based on the Mark Madden reports. Nobody is paying attention again. It's actually amusing at this point. Here's what we're talking about. Um, Madden would go on the hotline reporting lots of stuff that Meltzer felt like would not normally appear on a WCW hotline. Do you remember putting JJ Dillon in control of the hotline? I've always been under the impression that that was mean jeans, baby. Yeah, it was mean jeans, baby. And I'm not sure why that transition was made. It was a bad choice. Um, 
not to not to take a shot at JJ. I like JJ Dillon. We're good friends at this point, and hope to remain so. But um, again, not knowing why I had to make the change, um, for whatever reason that change was made, putting JJ in front of it was probably the wrong thing to do. Just because, you know, the hotline was kind of a new, you know, this is, sounds so silly and it's really interesting how 25 or 30 years changes things. But, you know, the hotline was kind of edgy, kind of new, you know, and appealed to a much younger audience and putting a guy like JJ in charge of it was just a bad mistake. Mean Gene, although Gene was older than JJ at the time, Mean Gene worked because he was such a whore. He didn't. He didn't care. You know, cut, break whatever rules you have to break to bring that money in. So uh, it was a pretty drastic change from a leadership perspective. We saw the old. Uh, the following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order tees. Uh, pushing a new t-shirt for sold out. And now here's the tease for Saturday night. I just love the way it sounds. We'll be joined by the American dream dusty Rose this Saturday, the barbarian against Arn Anderson, Lord Steven Riggle will be there. Plus the total package Lex Luger will meet Scott Norton one-on-one. That should be a classic matchup this Saturday at 6 5 PM Eastern time here on TBS. All right, back here live on nitro. We have a big announcement to make, as you know, fans. We are here. The Nefty Convention is beginning this week. Television executives, producers from all over the world are here, including members of the WCW Championship Committee. They heard, they saw what happened. They know that Eric Bischoff has been ducking them. We do understand right across the street, the WCW headquarters at the Hyatt Regency here. It's just walking distance. The executive committee meeting right now. They are going to make a ruling on what we just heard. Remember, that title that Hollywood Hulk Hogan holds is a WCW title. Well, hallelujah. We're going to get a ruling. It's about time. You know, legal entanglements, unfortunately, they exist. Lawyers make them so they can all get rich off us. But we're going to have, what, a decision? Are they coming here? Somebody else coming out. And here comes the NWO, and right out front, old Easy E. This is a, a fun time uh, in, in Nitro history because... There was the unpredictability of what's going to happen. I mean, we saw a cutaway in the middle of a match and, uh, here you come with, uh, your two favorite members of the NWO, Ted DiBiase and Virgil. Come on. Why do that? Why do that? Why go there? This was a fun time. It was absolutely a fun time because we were experimenting. Yes. All of this was learning on the job. It was a new format. It was a new approach to storytelling. It was a new approach to everything. Including and, this, you're taking over the broadcast booth. Let's take yeah, a listen. Yeah, I mean, all this stuff, these are all things now that we've seen before, but back then, nobody had done this. see this stuff before. It never happened before. You're exactly right. Let's listen to the transition here as we see Tony Those and Larry make my butt look good. Oh my gosh, Lauren agrees. <laughs> I got your executive committee. Exactly. Forget about it. What's coming up next? <laughs> the Stinger, our man. He's our man. He is our man. We saw it earlier. Let's get another look at our Stinger. He turned his back. So now uh, I'll, we throw to a little package here of Sting, but I like the idea. And it certainly feels like you're at least flirting with the concept of Hey, maybe there could be an NWO show for you guys to be taking over commentary here. Was that bubbling to the surface in your mind? Like at this point? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, ex- that's exactly what we're doing, brother. In, in traditional, you know, script storytelling television, 
That's called a misdirect. You know, in the wrestling industry, it's called a swerve. But of course, from a storyline point of view, we we wanted the audience to believe we believe, well, we did in, in character, you know, that Sting's on our side. Yay, we got him. Yay, we got him. Only down the road to learn that we didn't. That was the intrigue, the back and forth, the journey that is so important in any good story. And this was a part of it. And uh, you're going to be doing commentary here for a minute. And who's coming up next here on WCW Nitro as we get a, a big shot of the entrance set? It's DDP. Um, this is the year of Diamond Dallas Page. That's even the name of this episode, of course. This is when DDP says no to the NWO. And as the legend goes, man, this had been planned for quite a while for him to have an opportunity to join and turn it down but it kept getting put off and allegedly Scott Hall said something like, Hey man, if being your friend is a bad thing, I don't know that I want to work here. And it made you rethink. Maybe I have been too hard on Dallas. Okay. We'll do it. But even in this match, supposedly they had a lot of time and it got cut and cut and cut and cut as Mark star comes to the ring. And, uh, this is going to be really DDP's coming out party. If you will, he's been in WCW for a while, but he's really for lack of a better word. We're not saying this to be rude. He's our pal. He's been in the lower mid card, but this is going to be his first time brushing up against the main events. And man, he was off to the races. This is all he needed. 1997 became his year. He's going to feud with Randy Savage and have the feud of the year, but the diamond cutters over. But after this, so was diamond Dallas page. And it was one little tweak that I'm not sure if it was you or, or Larry Zabisco, but Dallas says that someone gave the tweak of after this happens, leave through the crowd. And he was a made man, dude. Yeah, that was, I believe that was me because I was going back to trying to get, you know, DDP to get rid of all the ridiculous gimmicks. You know, he looked like the, you know, dollar gimmick store whenever he came to the ring and having that conversation with him and getting him to shed all that stuff and become what he really is, which is a blue collar guy. And, and I'll, I'll keep pounding this drum for as long as I have breath, you know, with young talent, developing talent, even some established talent, you know, the, the truer you can be to who you really are, the more authentic you can be. Yes. You have to turn up the volume. Yes. You have to brighten up the colors. Yes. You have to do some things, but if either you become a amazing actor or actress, or you mold your character so that it's such not a, such not such a departure from who you really are. And that's what page did page went back to being that blue collar guy that he was in New Jersey. And that's what connected and going into the crowd was one of the key components of that. Let's take a listen here. You're on commentary, basically stating that diamond Dallas page is NWO material. And here they are the welcoming party, Kevin Nash and Scott hall into the ring now, but I know what I got to do. Yes. There we go. Big hug for Kevin Nash and DDP. Picked a great time to have a celebration. They tossed DDP the T-shirt. He's got the NWO T-shirt now. He's gonna. And look at the crowd, on. though. Let's not skip over that. So many people are so excited about this. Now you you can almost see it. You've got about thirty percent of the crowd that's pro NWO, and you got about seventy percent of the crowd that's kind of sitting on the hands. And now they're all react crazy. You just made a big mistake, Dallas. No. 
Look at that. Man is out of his mind. I don't know if I can't believe it. He is number one on the, on the most wanted list. Paige, you just made the absolute biggest mistake of your entire life. I'm heading back to the locker room. I got some friends that are going to want to talk to this geek. Yeah, we're going to do something about this right now. Ready. Man, what a cool moment. I got goosebumps just watching it back. And by the way, I hope everybody is watching along with us. If you're not, go back and watch the diamond cutter on Mark Starr. He bounces him off the ropes and then off he comes. He nails the uh, diamond cutter, or so he hoped. Mark Starr, his timing was off just a little bit. And boy, he was staring him down in a big way. And now we've got a little pre recorded segment here, paid for by the NWO. Let's take a listen. This is a collegiate powerhouse wrestler. This ain't about wrestling. This isn't about pins. This isn't about points. No, what this is. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. About as a fight. Steiners, we choose to be associated together. We're still figuring out this tag thing. We are the hottest thing in professional wrestling. We've, re we've basically reinvented professional wrestling. You got a face at Steiner? That's right. We've got your x rays. We know exactly what vertebrae is bulging. Scotty Steiner, as muscled up as you are, those bones inside will never be the same. You're not bionic, you can't rebuild that back. And the outsider's gonna pick you apart. And nobody fights better than me and my big man here. We're smart. We're good like that. That's We're right. gonna bring our tool bags down. We're gonna go to work on your back. If Steiners are stuck together, I'll take two guys that are together by choice because two guys are together by genetics. Freaks. I mean, look at us. Sweet! We're gonna keep that dog-faced gremlin brother of yours on the apron where he belongs. Put a little tray of kibbles and bits out there. Keep him at bay. <laughs> Make we'll sure he's housebroken before you bring him to sold out. <laughs> he does have a face like a mutt. Dog yeah. face gremlin. They named him right. Only a mother could love those Steiners. We know you guys can go. Outsiders, they're better. Our time, our show. And it is sold out. NWO. It's just fucking cool, man. That is about the coolest shit, right? I mean, it's, still, it's still cool today. 25 or 30 years later, it's still badass. It's, that's, that's the stuff that resonates, that leaves an impression. And that's the reason the NWO is still what it is. I mean, you see wildcat Willie there. Some ideas are better than others, but my, <laughs> my God, how cool was that? And you're exactly right. It's as cool in 2022 as it was in 1997. And speaking of cool, here comes the Iceman, Dean Malenko, 1997. He's going to be ranked as pro wrestling illustrated's number one wrestler in the world in the PWI 500. And boy, when the bell rang between those ropes, nobody could touch him. He was outstanding here in 97 and I'm excited to see who he's going to be taking on here because of course it's Eddie Guerrero. What oh, this will be a clinic. What a fucking show this is, dude. It's unbelievable. This will be a clinic. I can't wait to watch this one. I love doing these shows with you and these watch alongs. 
you know, well, some of them, not all of them. <laughs> some of them kind of, you know, make me want to go throw myself out in front of a moving truck. But this one is, I think, a great example of the best of, you know, a great period of professional wrestling. It's a remarkable card. Uh, I want to remind you that, um, Tony Schiavone on commentary here is saying the executive committee has determined that Hogan will have to defend that title against the giant, but not it sold out tonight. And oh, by the way, there's a new show on TNT debuting called the new adventures of Robin hood. What an, what, yeah. listen, I, I, I know that you've been criticized for this over time, but it's, it's not exactly like you had any bargaining power. Turner executives come to you, you know, your boss, this is, you're not Tony Khan. You don't own the station. You don't, you know, they're coming to you and saying, all right, Eric, here's what you got to do. So guess what? This is what you got to do. And yeah, well, Tony Khan doesn't own his station either. Well, his dad yeah, does own a station, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I understand. And you're right. You know, you, you've got to be a team player. It's a corporate environment. When Brad Stiegel came to me and said, Hey, this is what we're going to do. And we want to cross promote because keep in mind, one of the big reasons that nitro ultimately worked And actually, if you go back to the reason Ted Turner, um, believed so much in professional wrestling when he was launching TBS in the Superstation, because that's where it all started was because Ted knew that wrestling consistently throughout television history drew audience to the station. Now, the key was how do you capitalize, not just on the ad sales. That's an important component, obviously. Okay. We're going back into the weeds here, folks, grab your weed whackers and let's go. But it also was a great opportunity to draw a relatively large audience consistently and then cross promote and build other programming opportunities with them. And wrestling served that purpose in one way up until nitro prior to nitro. Yeah. You know, WCW on Saturday night would draw a big audience and that audience would leave holding and retaining that audience was the goal of the network. Robin hood was an example of trying to use a very successful television show series, live series, um, and use it to springboard into other, you know, television opportunities. Robin hood, Robin hood was one of them. And it was what it was not Bret Hart in that. I don't think so. Wasn't there a WCW uh, talent that was associated with I thought I thought Bret Hart either did a cameo or something. I'm not sure. Well, if you've been listening to this show for very long, you know that this episode was sponsored by Blue Chew. Say it with us, Blue Chew. Of course, Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom by offering chewable tablets that can help men get stronger and longer-lasting erections. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredient as both Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets help men achieve a stronger and harder erection to combat all forms of ED. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so that means no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door all in a discreet package. Now the process is simple. You sign up at bluechew.com. You consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part it's all done online. Bluechew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills. No problem here. Bluechew sildenafil and tadalafil tablets are chewable. Bluechew's tablets are made in the USA. They prepare and ship direct. So it's cheaper than a pharmacy. 
So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew for free when you use our promo code WHW at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is WHW to receive your first month for free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring today's podcast. You ever pull back into your driveway after a trip to the grocery store only to realize you forgot that one key ingredient for dinner? Well, now you have options. Get the groceries you need or a backup meal from your favorite local restaurant delivered with DoorDash. Get what you want to eat right now and right to your door with DoorDash. Along with the restaurants you love, you can now get your groceries and other essential items delivered with DoorDash. Get your drinks, your snacks, and other household items in under an hour. Maybe you're craving some late night ice cream. Maybe you forgot that one special thing for dinner, or maybe you just need to stock up for the week with DoorDash. You get everything in one app with over 300,000 partners. You can support your neighborhood go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Popeye's or Chipotle, or even the cheesecake factory. Ordering is easy and your items can be left safely outside your door. When you choose contactless delivery drop-off for a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. When you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code weeks, that's 25% off up to a $10 value and zero delivery fees on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app in the app store and enter the code weeks, don't forget that code is weeks for 25% off your first order with DoorDash subject to change. Terms apply. Well, Bret Hart's still with the WWF at the time. Oh, he was. Okay. Well, clearly it wasn't Bret. But uh, I, I do know that you guys did some stuff with Buff Bagwell in one of those movies. And I think Bret was going to do something, but maybe that was Aladdin or something. I'm not sure. But I, I, I want to mention, as we're watching uh, two of the greatest in-ring performers ever, Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero, and Meltzer loved it. But here's a note from Meltzer I want to ask about. From all accounts, the deal to bring in Bam Bam Bigelow fell through as Bigelow turned it down. They wanted him in the NWO, and one of the main reasons he left the WWF in the first place was because he was mad at the amount of power Kevin Nash and company had. Tatanka is a question mark. Well, here's a question mark. <laughs> Who the fuck wanted Tatanka in WCW 97? That doesn't seem real. None of that was real. Yeah. That was all fiction. The idea that none- Bam Bam Bigelow turned down a WCW contract is fucking laughable. It's it's fiction. It's it's dirt cheat fiction. Somebody That's fed all. Dave that line because there's no chance he would rather just hope he got paid making shots for ECW or he could come here and make guaranteed money for a multiple. Nobody turns that down. No, that, that in all likelihood, I'm guessing here, I don't know, but in all likelihood, that was Bam Bam Bigelow. Feeding that bullshit to yes. Meltzer, knowing that Dave Meltzer doesn't have the integrity or the ability to really follow up and, you know, report something that he's confirmed to be true, or maybe have at least two sources confirming that it's true. That's just Dave Meltzer taking whatever anybody would give them that would allow them to help advance their own position and publishing it as a fact. None of it was true. It's all bullshit. I want to mention it's not bullshit. This run that DDP is about to be on. It's not just us as, as Dallas is quote unquote, pals, uh, putting him over here. The readers of the wrestling observer voted diamond Dallas page as the most improved. I want to add this context to it. The runners up for that award in the observer, 
Steve Austin, Mark Marrow, Rob Van Dam, and Buff Bagwell. So that's kind of a big deal, right? That's a damn big deal. And you know, now man, he's a made man. You know, he's brushed up against uh, Hall and Nash. And as the story goes, and, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will remember this. Nitro had two airings, right? So you had the East coast show and then you had the West coast replay. So as the story goes, they went back to the bar after the show, of course the hotel bar, and they could actually watch nitro at the bar and DDP got to just soak it in again, that big pop from the crowd. And what a big moment this was for Dallas's career. And, you know, Dallas has talked a lot about it as fans. We've all talked about it. I think everybody recognizes it as a major turning point in his career, but I can't imagine what it really felt like for Dallas, because here's a guy who, you know, came into the business and he was so improbable to begin with because he was so freaking tall. He was a manager. He wasn't a wrestler. He was a manager. Who the fuck wants a six foot five inch manager? Not 90% of the, yeah. the performers because he makes them look smaller, right? But he did it anyway. And he learned from, you know, guys like Dusty Rhodes and Jake and others. And he just kept trying and trying and trying. And the harder he tried, the more, you know, probably the vast majority of the locker room kind of just resisted him. But he didn't care. He kept trying, kept trying, kept trying. And then, you know, at a relatively late age in life, decides, oh, I think I want to be a wrestler. Again, one of the most highly improbable things to happen in the industry. But he did it. And now he's reaching the level that we're seeing here on this show. It had to be an amazing journey personally to, to DDP, professionally. I want to mention this match. That. I'm talking over some amazing shit here. This match is freaking amazing. Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, talk about a clinic. They get plenty of time here too. They're going to go 12 minutes and 24 seconds. Meltzer gave it three and a quarter stars. Um, and there is going to be a, a little bit of a tease for sold out. I wanted to mention, we're not just promoting sold out. We've got a clash of the champions coming up before that show. Uh, it's clash of the champions 34. I believe eight days after this in Wisconsin, January 21st, 1997, we're actually going to watch that show next week. Uh, another watch along event. It'll be uh, Dean Malenko and the ultimate dragon in the opener, Scotty Riggs and Mike Enos, a six man tag with Jericho, super Calo and Chavo taking on Conan, uh, La Parca and Mr. JL. Then we've got the renegade and Joe Gomez trying to challenge the Harlem heat. Wonder who wins there. Masahiro Chono taking on Alex, Wright, Scott Norton and Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit and the Taskmaster in a false count anywhere match. Uh, the Steiner brothers will be in there with the amazing French Canadians. And the main event is Lex Luger versus Scott Hall. And we'll be doing that one here next week. Uh, but what I wanted to talk about before we get back into this match, which by the way, go out of your way to see it is a phenomenal match is a report that yourself, Sonny Ono and Kevin Sullivan flew to Honolulu after nitro for the first of the scheduled quarterly meetings with new Japan quote, there was some heat last week regarding the Sasaki or either Sasaki, not being willing to do the job on nitro for Hugh Morris or new Japan, not wanting him to. WCW wanted Sasaki to lose clean to the moonsault since Luger Flair and Anderson all lost clean, uh, to the power special during the tournament in September. And they were mad. It didn't happen. The problem is the result would make it to Japan and Sasaki is too high on the new Japan food chain to lose to Hugh Morris clean. We don't have to get into the particulars of that back and forth, but were, were finishes an issue that was discussed with new Japan. No, at all. Never. 
No. Now there were, there were discussions in terms of availability of certain talent. And there were times when new Japan knew that one of their talents were going in a certain direction and they may not want them from a timing perspective to be involved in something in, in WCW that happened, of course, much like it did on our side, you know, we had to coordinate, you know, not only schedules, calendars, but we also had to coordinate creatively. So there were discussions, but to contextualize it as heat is again, a fabrication. There was never ever heat or any kind of a strained conversation. Sure. There was coordination, but there was never heat totally mischaracterized. Check out what we're seeing here. We see Sean Waltman six wearing his title belt, sitting atop a ladder near the announce desk, but he's, or maybe he's the opposite side. Either way, he's in the crowd on, on the top of a ladder watching this match. What a genius way to sell a ladder match on pay-per-view. I've never seen this before. The yeah, neither have I. I don't think we've seen it since, and I'm not sure whose idea it was, but it wasn't mine. It's cool. I, I wish it was because it's cool as shit, but uh, can't take credit for that one. I mean, it looks awesome. It's a nice. Some uh, of these punches in the corner, brother. I'm so sorry to interrupt you. That's a rude thing to do, but I would be so remiss if I didn't encourage people to go back and watch the show on the Peacock because it, just the exchange of blows, as undynamic as it may seem, listening to it, you go back and watch it. Again, tight shot in the corner, tremendous, tremendous ability by both of these performers. These guys developed a legacy. What a move we just saw there. You got to go out of your way to see this. The chemistry that these guys have, this is a, for this era, a modern day flare steamboat. And they put on these series of matches in ECW and they became tape trader bonanzas. Uh, The newsletters were raving about them. Everybody had to see them. Now they find themselves in front of a really big audience here, not 1100 fans in Philadelphia, but 10,000 fans in new Orleans and they're stealing the show. Like, I mean this, I would be okay. If every wrestling show we ever saw somewhere on the card had Eddie Guerrero versus Dean Malenko. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. It never gets old. And I think, you know, even compared to some of the best performances we see today, you know, guys like Brian Danielson or is he Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson? I, I don't know. His real name's Brian Danielson. And that's what he's wrestling under in AEW. But you remember okay. him as Daniel Bryan from WWE. All right. So Brian Danielson in AEW, clearly an amazing performer. Kenny Omega, same thing. Um, you can, you can pick out whichever performer you want to choose from in WWE or AEW or anywhere else for that matter. Um, you could put D Malenko at this point and Eddie Guerrero at this point up against any one of them. And either of these two guys would steal the show. These guys are phenomenal. They, they raise the bar to the extent that some of the aforementioned names we just heard, uh, and many others owe a debt of gratitude to these two guys, because they created an audience for a style and presentation of wrestling in a major way on a major network in front of a major audience that nobody had ever seen before. And now people in the industry in 2022 have to live up to it's amazing. Can you imagine like peak Eddie Guerrero versus peak Bret Hart or peak Eddie Guerrero versus peak Kenny Omega or Daniel Bryan? My God, what a performer he was. What a performer. And you know, the thing that you point out there, and one of the things that I think separates what we're seeing now in kind of the fantasy booking that you just described and maybe what's going on today is it's not only incredible athletic performance and pacing and style, 
it's still storytelling. Yeah. It's not just high risk, very dynamic moves for the sake of it. There's still story and psychology in these matches and story and psychology in the overall presentation. That's the difference. Eddie Guerrero got distracted by six on the ladder and that allowed, uh, Dane Malenko to steal the win with a power bomb. Brian Hildebrand, your referee, two out of the three guys, no longer with us, man, who were involved in this match. Such a shame to see so many of these guys gone so early. It isn't, it, it is indeed, but I do want to say, you know, and this isn't just kissing ass. I know it's going to sound that way. I don't really give a fuck. Um, so grateful to, to WWE for creating the network in the, yeah. in the first place. And now we have it on Peacock where the careers of guys like, you know, Eddie Guerrero, uh, and Chris Benoit, despite all the controversy surround him, you know, there's still a lot. Well, you don't see Chris on the network, but there's still a lot of great action out there that people can go back and see that are part of these performers legacies, you know, and it's, it, I am grateful for it. We see uh, all these years later, PlayStation getting the rub, uh, a reminder, if you're an advertiser, uh, look for, uh, an opportunity to put yourself inside of the programming, make your brand a part of the program and it'll live forever. We're not seeing any of the other commercials here on Peacock, but PlayStation still getting a plug 25 years later. You gotta be happy about that, right? Gotta be happy about that. We go to break. And when we come back, let's see what Tony's saying as we start hour number two. It's underway. Welcome to professional wrestling's number one television program. We are live from the Superdome in New Orleans, the site of Super Bowl 31. It is our number two of Nitro. And I'm now joined by Mike Tanay, Bobby the Brain Heenan. They know the story. You fans by now know the story. The fans of the Superdome just found out what we knew moments ago that later on tonight in hour number two, Mike Tanay, Hulk Hogan must face the Giant one-on-one here live tonight. Well, Tony, in the one-plus-year history of Monday Nitro, this show has been known for groundbreaking, cutting-edge wrestling programming. But tonight, with this matchup involving Hulk Hogan and the Giant, we've taken things to another level with arguably the most important matchup ever in the history of Nitro. And you know, you watched Hogan get carried out after Piper put him to sleep. He didn't have his way with Piper. Piper won that one. Now, Hogan, what are you going to do when you got a man seven foot, four inches tall, 450 pounds that wants your hide? And who can break down doors? As a matter of fact, he opened up the program by breaking down a door. Let's show you what happened as we went on the air tonight live. So I want to mention what you're doing here because I think it's so underrated, especially in hindsight. Hour one, Tony Schiavone, Larry Zabisco. Hour two, Tony Schiavone, Mike Tanay, Bobby Heenan. I know Tony Schiavone is the constant. That wasn't always the way it is. I do like that he became the official voice of Nitro, but having him be able to bounce different ideas off of different voices. It adds a lot to the program. It breaks up the monotony. And I think it's something that WWE should do, especially on a three hour raw. It, it all still starts to just run together and have a, a sameness to it. Does that make sense? Oh man. You just hit on something that I haven't really thought about before, but if I'm in WWE and I'm calling any shots at all, I'm going to explore the possibility of changing my announce team, maybe on the hour. Cause you got a three hour show. I don't give a fuck how good your play by play and color team are. I do not want to hear 
the same wrestling. Now it's different in the NFL if it's you're calling a game, but from a wrestling point of view, when it's episodic, you're seeing the same broadcast team out there 52 weeks a year. That's over 150 hours of listening to the same people every year. I wonder what would happen if they broke it up. So you've got an hour one team, an hour two team, and an hour three team, and you had enough diversity in those characters and the way it's being presented that it felt like three separate shows instead of one three-hour show, 52 fucking weeks a year. I wonder if that would even work. Hmm. What a thought. Bruce, give me a shout. Well, if you get him, tell him we got to record. He's behind. Yeah, I'll tell him. Hey, I wanted to mention something in the observer. Chris Canyon is being groomed to be brought in and do a martial arts gimmick feud with Glacier Canyon worked under the name Mortis on the German tour to get practice. And the two have been working a match out together in the power plant for a long time. Uh, I feel like most of our listeners have seen Chris Canyon's story on dark side of the ring at this point. Um, but who do you recall coming up with the Mortis gimmick? Is that a Kevin Sullivan idea? I don't know if it was Kevin still, it wasn't me. So, and I wasn't directly involved in this. Just, it was something that was brought to me. Um, it could have easily been Kevin, but you know, Chris, it could have been Chris. Chris was working. Chris was very friendly with uh, Andre Fritas from um, the company. I can't remember the name of his company, AFX studios, AFX Georgia. studios. So AFX studio, uh, Andre, um, certainly uh, Ray Lloyd Glacier, um, there was a core of group of, of those guys that just spent a lot of time together, bouncing ideas off of each other, trying to figure out a way to take advantage of, of FX and Andre's work and create these new characters. So I'm not really sure, man, whose idea it was, but I dug it. We talked about Conan last week and here he is in the ring now with uh super Calo. I want to mention something else in the observer that jumped off the page to me. Quote, public enemy and Harlem heat are currently working without contracts. There have been a ton of rumors about the Harlem heat going to the WWF based on what I'm hearing. The WWF has so much committed to guys already under long-term contracts with guaranteed money that they're second guessing a lot of the deals already. Anyway, obviously an exception would be made for really big names, but I'm pretty well sure that medium big names aren't going to get guaranteed $250,000 contracts from the WWF right now. That's fascinating to think about what if, and by the way, Meltzer was exactly right. Already Vince McMahon was second guessing his big commitment to guys like Mark Henry and certainly to Bret Hart, who we know he's going to go to in September, the screw job becomes a thing and wrestling's maybe never the same again. But what if just wearing that fantasy hat for a minute, what if Harlem heat left and went to the WWF? That would have been a major blow for WCW Booker T is going to become a prime time player for you guys. It would have been a big blow. I don't know if it would have been a major blow. I don't know if it would change the direction of things during this period of time, because we had so much momentum, but it would have been a big, big blow. And I dare say it would have been a big mistake for Harlem heat because I think making that transition from WCW at this point to WWE at that point would have not been the greatest career move. My gosh, what a clothesline there. Super callow wound up on his head. Dude, you, you can't create cool. You can't fake cool. Either you're cool or you're not. We just joked about how cool that Kevin Nash Scott Hall segment was. So's Conan. I know we talked about it last week, but man, it just jumps off the screen. And it's not like they even have to work at it. They're just cool. Yeah, it's again playing close to your core, playing close to your character 
turning up the volume as needed, but the more authentic you are, the more believable you are, the more you're going to connect to the audience. And that was Conan in a nutshell. Uh, we talked over a, a fun line that Larry Zabisco had when, uh, you guys were taking over the announce desk, uh, you, you know, yourself, Virgil and Ted DiBiase, when Tony Schiavone and, and Larry Zabisco were on their way out, he left a parting shot, which is a little tongue in cheek considering the relationship. He said something like, uh, Eric, if you're not careful, you're going to be mowing Vern Gagne's lawn again. What a great <laughs> line that was. That's going to get it done. Conan is your winner. And there's Jimmy Hart. I wanted to ask, we just saw a commercial for WCW Saturday night, not long ago at this point, early 97 is Jimmy Hart helping put together Saturday night. I'm not sure about the timing. If it was at this part of 1997, but there was a point around this period where Jimmy, um, really did take over WCW Saturday night. I handed it off to him. We looked at WCW Saturday night more as a developmental kind of a platform. Uh, we were saving a lot of the bigger name talent, the major storylines, the A storylines, the B storylines, uh, even the C storylines existed on Nitro. And some of the less significant stories were e evolving over on Saturday night. And Jimmy also used uh, WCW Saturday night uh, as a platform to help create some new stars and fresh talent like three count and, and, and others. So yeah, Jimmy became very hands-on at that point. I think we're going to get a uh, Kevin Sullivan promo here in a minute. Let's take a listen to what's happening here as we come back from the break. Crowd on hand here in New Orleans at the Superdome. And no one's hotter than the Giant right now. No one is more worried than Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Well, here comes a member of the Horsemen, Chris Benoit, along with Woman. Look at those pearls. They were not here last week, but here's a man who is here this week, standing by with comments. Let's hear from the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, who has this to say to Benoit and Woman as they make their way in. Look at the look on her face, Brain. Arm in arm. Benoit, wonderful holidays in Germany. Now you've affected somebody else in my life. I'm not going to talk to you because talk is for lovers. And you know all about that. You want to play chess with me? Next Monday night in Chicago, I'm not going to play. I own the board, and I'm going to take it back. That happened to be a warning, Benoit. So there you go. Uh, of course, wrestling fans. Can, 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 I'm, I'm so sorry, brother. No, please but do. Did you just notice that Kevin Sullivan had chess pieces set up on a checkerboard? Yes. I was going to ask what you thought of that. <laughs> it's those little details. <laughs> but clearly somebody went down to the cracker barrel and, uh, <laughs> snagged the checkerboard. I was just about to say that might have been one of the better promos that Kevin did during this period because he wasn't going over the yes, top. Yes. You know, so I was like, wow, this is actually kind of cool. He's sucking me in. And I look at my motherfucker's got chess pieces on a checkerboard. Come on. But in fairness, maybe that was his way of saying, uh, Chris, this is chess, not checkers. Okay. I'll buy that. I'll buy it. I mean, I'm just making it up. And I'm also trying to figure out if you can make amends for putting Jeff Jarrett on TV in this outfit. Like 
Well, that was his idea. Couldn't you check him at the door though and say, come on, man. And why don't you just wear one of the public enemy outfits? I'd rather you wear a baseball jersey and shorts than this. Just anything but this. Yeah. I mean, I hope he brings it, you know, when we're in St. Louis on the 29th, I hope he brings that outfit. Wouldn't it be cool if he would do the, if he would do the live show and that gimmick. God, we've got to be worth the price of admission. Jeff, come on, man. Be a team player. Bring that gimmick to St. Louis. Come on. We, we have to get him to wear that to the show. Can you imagine with all the fringe and all that? That would be tremendous. Yeah. I mean, and he could take like breaks throughout, you know, the live show that we're doing in St. Louis and he can go back and he can get into the, the gimmick that we've seen him in recently on, uh, what is it? GCW. Um, and he it just like every 30 minutes, we'll take a break and Jeff can go back and do a wardrobe change that represents all the phases of his career. I think that is a great Jeff. Are you a team player or not? Come on, bring your gimmicks. I'm excited about it. By the way, we're watching a pretty good match here with Jeff Jarrett and Chris Benoit. I've talked to Jeff a little bit and he would say that, man, his hardest hitting matches. He knew he was in for a long night when he was wrestling Chris Benoit it would be a great match, but everything was so crisp and athletic and tough. And obviously the storyline here is, is Jeff Jarrett a horseman or not? We know he's not, there's no doubt about that. Uh, but Chris Benoit has an issue with it. And I think Mongo's not cool with it. And I'm not sure that Arn is, but of course, flair, at least at the time was campaigning for Jeff Jarrett to have a spot in the horseman. But I'll tell you this, no matter what you think of what Jeff Jarrett is wearing, uh, once the bell rings, dude can go. It, 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 as good as, or, or at least as good as just about anybody in the ring <clears throat> during this period of time, Jeff had great psychology. And one of the things that I learned about Jeff is when I, when I was in TNA and, and you know, well, Jeff and I will probably talk about this at some point in St. Louis on the 29th, but there was a, you know, when I first got to TNA with Hulk, Jeff was, you know, Jeff was a part of those discussions, you know, when Dixie Carter flew down to Florida you know, to meet with Hulk and I, Jeff Jarrett was on the plane with her. You know, when we had our meeting with Dixie in Nashville, the first time at Dixie's house, Jeff Jarrett was in that meeting. So Jeff Jarrett was very instrumental in bringing Hogan and by default me into TNA. But shortly after we got there, there's some kind of drama going on with Jeff and Dixie and he just kind of disappears. And I didn't really get a chance to work with Jeff directly while I was in TNA until the very, very end of my run there. And I wanted to bring Jeff in as a producer. Now I know that sounds like a insult or a slight or somehow I was, you know, whatever disrespecting Jeff in some way, but it wasn't, it was the opposite of that. I really believe that Jeff had so much to offer because so few people, especially within TNA at that time, really had any understanding of psychology and how to connect great action in the ring with a solid story in the ring. There were a lot of guys that could do great things in the ring physically, but not really as a part of a story necessarily. Jeff had that unique ability to figure out, okay, what's the story long-term? What's the story? What does this match need? And how do we integrate some of the, your best skill set into a story in the ring? Jeff, is, Jeff really is an underrated wrestling mind when it comes to psychology and performance. He really is. So a little miscommunication here and, uh, yeah, doesn't go his way. Let's take a listen here to the, the fallout. But you shouldn't be smiling right now. Oh, this is bad. This is bad. 
These are questions that we just don't he have answers for at this point. He was standing here! Yeah, he was. This isn't going to set well with Roman either. The friction within the horseman. Well, I don't know. If a smile can cure all, cure, uh, cure all, that may cure everything. That is a gorgeous smile and a girl that knows what she wants apparently here. Deborah McMichael mugging for the camera is funny. Let's watch the replay here. You see Mongo calling for the case as he's holding Jarrett's tights. She would not let go of the case. Mongo finally gets it and swings and bam nails. Chris Benoit Jarrett makes the cover. Jarrett beats the rabid Wolverine. Chris Benoit, Brian Hildebrand's our referee. Hildebrand's all over this show, dude. Mark Curtis rather. Yeah. And the timing on that spot was just Slow. a little awkward because, you know, S Steve kind of looked over his shoulder just for a split second could obviously see that it was, it wasn't Jeff. Um, yeah, good idea. We're going to resolve this timing is everything here. And now tonight, this represents horsemen, horsemen represent an elite team. You know what being part of an elite team is all about. You're an all pro. You want to be an all pro wrestler. That's about being a horseman. You want to continue on being a horseman. You better quit fumbling the ball. Uh oh. What happened tonight? What's transpired these last few weeks? Certainly don't look like no elite team to me. I was handpicked by this man to become a horseman. You became a horseman due to an unfortunate circumstance. As for you, you want to badmouth the horseman? That's fine, because that's just your style. Uh -oh. You want to badmouth me? I could care less. You want a badmouth woman? Uh-oh, he's right. You don't even want to go there. You see, woman. Look at the eyes. Woman is 100% woman from head to toe. And I talk from experience. There's no plastic, no wax, zero silicone. She is all woman. <laughs> My goodness. Wow. Now, you know Kevin Sullivan's First watching off, this. Let me apologize for what just transpired. I thought I had somebody in my sights. I turned around, and it just happened to be you. Don't fault me for that. We've won a lot of matches using this thing right here, my friend. And fumbling the ball is right. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. You know, people make mistakes. Like Kevin Green and the Carolina Panthers, those expansion <laughs> whips. They shouldn't have been in the championship game either. They made a mistake. All right, uh, Rick Flair is so sick to his stomach about this whole thing. He didn't even bother to show up tonight. Arn Anderson. Arn, I want to know where Flair is. Right here and now. Where is Rick Flair? This is about the horsemen. Where do you stand, Deborah? Well, listen, just like a couple of weeks ago, I don't want to come out here and step on any toes till I got this thing sorted out, okay? Flair doesn't want a part of any of this personal thing. This is business. This is a symbol of excellence. We got to get this resolved and put back together. The horsemen are a team. 
You guys got to resolve this. I'm not going to stand for what's happened these last few weeks. And I'm not going to tolerate it. Shape up or ship out, Mongo. I just want to say that I am really devastated over here that these lovely people would think that I would ever gossip behind their back. I would never do such a thing because I love both of these people. I really do. Just a minute. I'm man enough to stand here and say I'm sorry for what just transpired, my friend. But if you don't want to accept my apology and you're feeling froggy, why don't you just go? This thing is to me some of the old-fashioned way. Arn Edison playing the role now, the leader of the four horsemen, and trying to take control here. Arn, this thing is... Arn, I don't want to hear any more excuses. I want to see results. I've been holding up my end of being a horseman. It's time for the rest of the horsemen to hold up their end. Arn Anderson, in all due respect, as they adjourn, they sat on you pretty good here tonight. There's not a lot left of that uh, hind quarter, so to speak. Of all nights for this to happen, why'd they have to set in on me tonight? I got a lot on me. I've still got to wrestle Rick Steiner in a few minutes. All right. I like the little uh, infuting and story and all that, but that segment went a little long for me. Went way too long. I was thinking the same thing as we were listening. That was probably about three minutes, felt like it. Maybe a little longer. Felt like 20 to me. Could have been done in a minute. Yeah. Minute 15 and had a, and there's the thing. Less is more sometimes. Get your points in, tell your story, leave people wanting to hear more. Don't make them go, okay, what is this going to be over? And that just went too long. Look at Billy Kidman with his uh, new haircut and his new driver's license. He looks to be about 16 years old. (laughs) I I just saw Billy, you know, when I was, I went to WWE in Detroit. Uh, to to officiate the uh, Miz and RC storyline, uh, Billy's still doing great, man. He he's in Gorilla, part of the team, calling the shots, making sure it all goes down. Really happy to see a guy like Billy Kidman be able to have the career that he's had, not only in the ring but especially out of the ring. <laughs> Are you saying working backstage in WWE or marrying Tori Wilson? Because it's a, it's a good answer either way. Yeah, he's this this cat's led a charmed life. Come on. You know, people say I, I kick, I, I, I don't kick my coverage. Guys, I think me and I Billy see, Kidman, woof, we, we, we got to be all timers in that regard. Yeah. But I, I do dig it when I see guys who have been able to successfully transition out of the ring and find their way, you know, into the industry, Arnie Anderson, you know, perfect example in AEW. Um, I just love to see that because it's a, it's a quite the accomplishment. I love seeing friend of the show, Scotty Riggs here in the ring, uh, admitted Ray Donovan fan. He's going to be taking on Billy Kidman here. They're only going to go two minutes and 21 seconds. You know, at this point, he's no longer part of the American males, uh, because buff Bagwell is now doing his thing. Uh, but we, we freestyled a few weeks ago, or maybe it was months at this point. It all sort of runs together. Perhaps buff should have stayed on the WCW side of things. But I wonder, could there have been more done with, with Scotty Riggs? Because he's got a great look, very capable wrestler. Should you have found another tag team to slide him in? Or do you think it was the right path for him to keep him as a singles here? No, I think anytime a performer, this is just my opinion. I'm sure people can point out examples, you know, where I'm wrong on this, but my opinion is that let me, let me put it this way. If I was a young performer, if I was a young wrestler today 
and I had the kind of ability that say Scotty Riggs has is we're, we're watching this. I would much rather be a singles than in a tag team. Now, obviously there's exceptions to that, depending on what the tag team is and where your position is on the card. But as a rule, I want to stand out. I want the attention on me. I am not a team player. If I'm a young performer with the skill sets that that Scotty Riggs had, Uh, I want that spotlight on me. Now the challenge becomes when you get that spot, like Scotty Riggs has here, what do you do with it? Great look, no doubt about it. Scotty Riggs had a great look, great performer in the ring. No doubt about it. Had great skill sets, pretty good understanding of psychology and storytelling in the ring. What did he lack? Character skills. Yeah. And then we see buff Bagwell coming out here. I like that. We're at least giving them a little something to do here with buff and all eyes on buff, man. What a move there by Billy Kidman. We mentioned it a minute ago, almost in passing, and I should probably ask you these type of questions off air, but I can't help myself here. Are you in the Mrs. Or are you and Mrs. B a Ray Donovan fan? Do you guys like Ray? Oh, Donovan? absolutely. Absolutely. Love that show. Did you see this past weekend? The, uh, Ray Donovan movie came out, puts a button on the whole series. I did not. What's the name of it? Ray Donovan. It's just the movie on Showtime, but boy, it is outstanding. Go out of your way to check it out. Uh, Mrs. B and I will be checking that out this evening. Saturday night's a big TV night here at a Bischoff household. And there it is. Fisherman suplex gets it done. As a reminder, buff had been using the fisherman suplex. So, uh, for him to do that as a finish here and then point at Bagwell, we're on a collision course. We're finally going to get the singles match with buff and Riggs. But I think maybe if the roles were reversed, if Riggs was in the NWO and buff is the sympathetic baby face, the good looking white meat baby face, the fans could get behind that could have worked. I may have preferred that, but fun time. Right. You know, and here's the other thing, you know, again, you got to work with what you've got, right? I, as I was just talking about one of the things that Scotty didn't have was great skill on the mic. And that's lack of experience, not lack of ability, not lack of potential, just lack of experience. Right. But take a guy like Scotty Riggs, as long as we're retro booking here, put him in the NWO as a strong silent type. Right? Yeah. You didn't need, cause you had enough mouthpieces in the NWO yes. to cover things. Right. Scotty Riggs in the NWO with Bagwell on the outside and WCW looking in, I think would have been a great, great creative strategy. Cool. Look for sure. Fun follow on Twitter too. We're back at the announced desk. Let's take a listen. And he's been red hot as we know. Arn Anderson, you heard he'll have a match with Rick Steiner a little bit later on, but the match that has been signed by the executive committee, kind of an impromptu signing, but well done committee. It's Hulk Hogan and the Giant later on on this program live here tonight on TNT. Our hats are off to the WCW executive committee. I didn't believe that they could make that kind of a matchup for Monday Nitro. It's going to happen later and live here on TNT. This is what Hogan's paws look like right now. That's sweat. Hogan's got sweat in his hands, sweat on his knees, sweat on his forehead, running down his back where that yellow streak is. Hogan, I don't blame you. I wouldn't want to get in the ring either with the big man. Seven feet four, 450 pounds. Very shortly, you're going to have to step in that ring, pal. Maybe for the last time, because the Giants go into Hollywood. It's going to be a non-title match, but that does not matter. It is going to be a tremendous match. We'll be back live here on Nitro from the Superdome after this. Where'd you get that water? So I want to mention as uh, we're going to commercial break here, when it came to the ratings, because that's what everybody was uh, talking about in this era, Nitro did a 3.4 rating with a 5.1 share. Compare that to Raw's 2.3 rating and a 3.3 share. So it's a drumming 
Nitro is clearly in the driver's seat. And here's why raw that night was in Albany, New York. We had Jerry Lawler teaming with Hunter Hearst Helmsley, who was the intercontinental champion to take on Goldust and Mark Miro. Uh, the next match would be Rocky Maivia taking on WWF tag team champion, Davey boy Smith and your main event. Think about this here on nitro. We know what our main event is unbelievably. It's Hulk Hogan and the giant on free TV. Now we're going to talk about Robin hood and all that here in a bit, but still it's a title match Hogan and the giant. And somewhere in here, we announced, well, it's actually non-title, but we'll cover that later. It's Hogan and the giant. They've got the undertaker and crush. It's just not comparable. Uh, no disrespect to crush, but you've got two proven pay-per-view main events on one side and the phenom and crush on the other side. And their commentators, by the way, that night were Vince McMahon and honky tonk man. The WWF is sucking hind teeth as we say here in the South. Absolutely. But the one thing that I wanted to, to point on point to is that here's the difference. One of the differences between what we see today in WWE and in AEW versus what made nitro successful. What does every television producer and network want to be? They want to be must see TV. Yes. They want to create a program that is so compelling that people make it up. They used to use the term a lot, but they don't anymore. Appointment television where you can't afford to miss it. Right. You don't want to watch it on tape. You want to watch it live. That drives audience. What did we do on this show? That was so significant to me in terms of format and programming psychology is you've got a main event match between Hulk Hogan and the giant, and we didn't even promote it. Yeah. It's spontaneous. It's happening. As you're watching, you're at the party when the fight breaks out, as opposed to being on the outside, looking in and knowing what's going to happen. That's what made nitro must see TV, the unpredictable, spontaneous nature of nitro was one of the first things that we wanted to achieve with this format. This is a perfect example during the perfect period of time where you can see that strategy play itself out and the results from it. And it's one of the things in across the boards, I'm not picking on anybody here. It's true in, in WWE and it's true in AEW. Quit over promoting shit. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to, over a period of time, because it's not going to fucking happen overnight. So you need an attention span beyond that of a fruit fly, right? You've got to discipline yourself. And I'm speaking across the board now. I'm not pointing to any one person. So fucking unwind your underwear, bitches. Just sit back and listen. Learn something. When you get to the point where you're no longer promoting and people have to tune in. Oh, here's the other point. You got to deliver something. But when people feel the need subconsciously to have to tune in to see what's going on because they don't want to miss out on what's happening at your party, now, now you've become must-see TV. But when you over-promote and you're telling everybody weeks in advance what's going to happen on your television, guess what? They make up their mind whether or not it's worth watching by something they see in social media. And you're, you're cutting yourself short. I wish people would get back to taking advantage of the fact that they're live 
by making things more spontaneous, especially important things. Okay. I'll shut up now. I'm sorry. No, I, uh, I, I like when you get on those rants, we're seeing Rick Fuller here, who's really a, a Northeast indie guy. He's a big fella, but at this point he's just coming in to make Lex Luger look strong. It's a matter of, uh, Hey, how big of a rack can, can Luger pull off? And we know eventually he's going to get one with the giant. Uh, I do want to talk about some questions that we got from some of our uh, ad free shows folks. And, uh, next week I'm excited to announce this, Eric. We're going to do something a little different. Uh, we're still going to keep continue to field questions on social media, but folks who are subscribers over at ad free shows, we're actually going to play their audio here on the show. Uh, so it'll be like they were doing a live call in show. Uh, so if you've ever heard a talk radio show or what have you, and guys would call in and have a discussion, that's what we're going to have next week, uh, with members of ad free shows, they'll be able to actually ask questions and hear their voice on the show. So let's do that now with Lee Dyer. He wants to know, was there any consideration for DDP joining the NWO? Yes. Yes. There was a lot of conversation about that. And I think DDP more than anybody felt that it would be best for him not to join. And he was right about that, but yeah, there, there was a great question by the way. Um, but yes, lots of conversation DDP, probably more than anybody felt the strongest about not joining NWO and taking the position that he did. And it was a good choice. Kevin Gander from ad free shows wants to know, did you ever think that DDP would become as successful as he became with DDP? Why did you ever hear negative feedback from the wrestling community regarding the program? And have you or Lori ever personally tried DDP? Why uh, a lot of questions there, uh, as you say, I'll unpack all three of them. Um, no, I never imagined that DDPY would become as successful as it was. I don't even think DDP thought it would become as successful as, oh, I'm probably wrong about that because he sets his goals pretty high. Um, I never heard any uh, feedback negatively from anybody uh, about DDPY, uh, quite the opposite, actually. And no, Mrs. B, and Mrs. B, she works out a lot. She's got a very, she's got a very intense you know, kind of daily routine that she does. Uh, and part of it is, is not DDPY because DDP hates it. When you call it yoga, look at this standoff we're seeing here between Lex Luger and, and Jai. this is intense. This is a, this is a shootout at the okay corral. This is that moment in every Western. If you're watching along as I'm talking about DDPY, this is the best part of any Western. When the two gunfighters come out of the saloon, or one does because his, his, his opponent, if you will, is already out on the street. And there's that drama, that eye to eye contact, who's going to draw first anticipation, but no, uh, Mrs. B's got her own set of workout routines and I have mine. Mine usually involves, uh, hiking with my dog. That's about the extent of it. And I stretch a lot, but not DDPY. Let's take a listen here. Uh, the giant is in the ring and so is Mean Gene. Up. With a solution for you, Giant, tonight you're going to have an opportunity to meet Hulk Hogan as a prelude to Sold Out. You're getting some support from the organization. You know, I'm getting a lot of support, but it's not about NWO. It's not about WCW. It's about two men, Hulk Hogan and me, the Giant. A little while ago, somebody asked me, how bad do I want it? 
I want it real bad. Says it all. I want the World Heavyweight Championship. I no longer will I ever be a bookend. When I came to the NWO, I was a bookend. I kept the NWO together. I'm not a bookend anymore. The books are falling apart. And I've read every single one of the books. And tonight, I'm going to close the chapter on Hulkamania forever! Ladies and gentlemen, keep in mind, still coming up here on Michael, this man, the giant, will be meeting Hulk Hogan from the NWO. So much at stake. Tony, back to you, my friend. Buddy, that's how you build to the main event. You want to keep people tuned in uh, as we're watching it back. Of course, without all the commercials and what have you, we're at 124, 129 of a 141 minute show. So we've still got another match and then the main event that's going to bleed over. But what a nice way to build to it. And how about the visual of a little bitty mean gene and a great big old giant? You know how that promo could have been better? How? Is if Paul would not have yet screamed so much yeah. from the beginning, if yeah. he would have built and I, I look back at things now, I go, man, I wish, you know, what would I have done differently if I knew then what I know now and really modulating, you know, the giant in his promos and allowing him to build up his intensity as opposed to starting out screaming and ended up screaming to the point where he over, he screamed so much. He, he had a hard time honestly hearing him. That would have made all the difference in the world in Paul's promos. That's something that I, I think wrestling had to grow out of. I mean, for so many years, mm-hmm. you go back to the seventies and eighties, everybody started hot and everybody was screaming. And even flair who, who people say is, oh, one of the best promos of all time. He said that when he first went to work for Vince, that Vince, as they're recording, he would say, why are you yelling? And, and it was, it was from. Uh, you know, back in the day when they were doing TBS, you had a studio audience and that audience would be trying to distract them and get themselves over and cheer the guys who are getting in the ring for the next segment or whatever. And flares hooting and hollering over it to just sort of command the audience. But now when, when he's in a studio session for the WWF, he still got that same volume. And we learned from Jake, the snake that sometimes just taking it down low with a pause slowing it down adds a new dynamic. I, I think that's yeah, I cool. Think, I, I, I agree with Jake on that one. In fact, I, I remember in trying to talk people into finding new ways to do their promos. And I would point out to them, can you imagine if you you're watching an evening news and all of a sudden, whoever it is just stops talking. I mean, you'll drop what you're doing to go, what the fuck? What? What is he about to say? Or is she about to say, what is it? It'll less is more, you know, it applies in so many different ways, but in a promo, bringing it down, like Jake was talking about, or Vince was suggesting to Rick, that will draw people in because they want to hear what you have to say, but not necessarily if you're yelling at them. I I wanted to, um, get back to our questions, but I I do want to do a quick plug here since we've talked about them a little bit, both Jake and DDP have a new podcast. Uh, and it's a part of what we're doing. I'm the co-host. So if you didn't know already, go out of your way to check out DDP snake pit. It's totally unlike any of my other podcasts. 
because it really is like a, a buddy cop movie. What a great feel good story it is where, you know, Dallas helped pick Jake up and then later, uh, or, or I guess Jake picked Dallas up and then later he returned the favor. Uh, but we're telling their stories and, uh, it's a beautiful video program as well. So you can obviously get the audio anywhere you enjoy podcasts on iTunes or what have you. Uh, but the video is done, uh, in large part by comeback studios. So, you know, it's going to look great. Those are the same guys who were putting together all the AEW stuff that you enjoy on TV every week. So check it out. It's called DDP snake pit. It's free anywhere. You're listening to podcasts and no, we're not talking about DDP. in every episode, like everybody thinks. Um, Brad Stanton wants to know, Eric, why do you think it didn't work out with Sergeant Craig Pittman? He started out kind of hot and then it seemed to cool off. Yeah. It's just, there was something missing, man. I don't know what it was. Craig was a super guy. He was amazing credentials, uh, as an athlete, um, intense, had a good look, but there was just something missing. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, we talk about the it factor or others talk about the it factor. It's that that special something that is sometimes unidentifiable or intangible. Uh, and whatever it is, Craig had a lot of things, but he didn't have the it that he needed. Do you think it was, you know, we talk about it all the time here. The timing's everything. Do you think perhaps his gimmick was maybe from the eighties? It was just a little, I mean, if he, w- if he came around in 85 instead of 95, I think it looks a lot different for him. I think you're absolutely right. Great observation. Uh, timing is everything. And his gimmick was a little dated and especially coming in at a time when there was this transition into really a new idea of what was cool. Um, and what the audience was responding to Craig was kind of hanging on to something that was probably about five years old, five years older than its expiration date. Really. Chris Hughes wants to know, Eric, you've met, you've mentioned before that you and diamond Dallas page used to be neighbors. What part of the Atlanta area did you live in? And have you ever been to a place that had worse traffic than Atlanta? <laughs> the, the, the town that I lived in was called Mableton. Mableton was adjacent to, I guess, Vinings, which is kind of like a higher end, um, part of Atlanta, but it was also adjacent to a less than, um, ideal end of Atlanta. So it was kind of stuck in the middle, you know, blue collar neighborhood, a uh, nice neighborhood, but I think we were South, uh, West of Atlanta, a little suburb called Mableton, uh, enjoyed living there really for a brief period of time. Didn't like the weather too hot and humid in the summertime. I remember the first time that I, we, we pulled up to the house that we had bought with the family. The first night we we're going to move in, we got there in the dark and the porch light was on side of the house. And it was a fucking bug that looked like something out of a Jurassic park movie <laughs> right underneath. I had never seen a bug that big in my entire life. I thought, man, honey, get the gun, get the gun. But, uh, no, I liked living there, but, uh, I was happy to get out of it. You know, traffic in Atlanta. Then now we're talking about, you know, early nineties, mid nineties was horrible. You get a half inch of rain and everything comes to a screeching standstill. Uh, so yeah, I, I didn't dig the traffic for sure. Oh, another paid for announcement. Let's take a listen. Giant drop the ball, man. That sold out. Hollywood's going to drop you like a bad habit. Steiners it sold out. Prepare to be blown. Guerrero, it's a short climb, but it's a long bomb. 
It's NWO's Sold Out. Saturday, January 25th, live and only on pay-per-view. Satellite dish owners call 1-800-843-9266. That should have been Neil Pruitt doing that voiceover. Yeah, I don't know why it wasn't, man. That was brutal. So we're back. I don't even know who it was. Back, of course, to the main event. Uh, We know what's coming. It's Hulk Hogan and the Giant. Before we uh, talk about the match and, and really the controversy with the whole Robin Hood thing, uh, Matt Shanks wants to know if it wasn't diamond Dallas page, who else could have pulled this angle off? This was amazing. And thanks again for all the great memories. Of course, we're talking about, uh, him rejecting the opportunity to join the NWO. Could you have even imagined someone else in that spot, Eric? No, I'm trying to, you know, as I'm trying to come up with a good answer for that, but there really was no one. It, because it wasn't just the story that we told on television, but it was the backstory that made it so believable. The backstory that was real, the backstory with, with DDP, you know, being instrumental in bringing Scott Hall and Kevin Nash in, that wasn't just a behind the scenes component of the story that was kind of out there. The, you know, the, a good portion of the audience knew about that or was made aware of it through commentary. So the backstory is what made that work. Did you see Virgil almost bust his ass when he came out? No, I didn't. I was so lost in my deep thought that I, I didn't notice it. You know, Xbox with the uh, Xbox with the uh, Gene Simmons tongue gimmick going on there. Here comes uh, Hollywood playing air guitar on the big gold. What a classic shot that is. I mean, I feel like that's a, a meme that will live forever. Hogan playing air guitar with nitro in the background. Yeah, it, it will. This is going to uh, tickle you here. Uh, somebody knows how to stir the shit over at ad free shows. Mediocre warrior wants to know, Eric, is it true that the DDP angle was really all Mike Graham and Greg Gagne's idea? <laughs> oh, I'm sure it was. If you asked, uh, Greg or would have asked Mike before I passed away, I'm sure they probably, you know, commiserated over a bottle of fucking rum, uh, and a gallon of Coke over that one, how they came up with all these great ideas and, you know, never got any credit for them because they were indeed the geniuses behind everything <laughs> positive that happened with WCW. I want to mention, we talked over Rick Steiner, uh, beating Arn in two minutes and 58 seconds. Scott Steiner was at ringside. He's about to return from injury. Arn had no backup from the horsemen. They're all too busy brawling in the back. Somebody just threw a rubber chicken at Hulk Hogan as he strutting to the ring. He could have caught it cause he's that cool, but he just let it go. Cause Hogan ain't got time for no chickens, brother. Uh, <laughs> I want to mention from the observer quote, this was just a TNT ratings ploy to artificially build up ratings for the debut of Robin hood that followed the match began only one minute before they went off the air, which was all stalling. The match itself only went three minutes before the NWO interfered for the DQ, but giant basically held them off and ran them all off by himself. Hall and Nash weren't a part of the package here as they only used the NWO jobber type guys like Bubba Bagwell, Vincent and Poster sting, etc. They went off the air acting as if instead of commercials during the breaks in Robin hood, they'd air the match. Anyway, during the first break in Robin hood, they instead aired commercials. Although they did say they would go back to wrestling during the second break. During the second break, they went back for 30 seconds and pretended they were live in new Orleans. Uh, by this time, the match had been over for more than 20 minutes. And that still <laughs> left them in progress and showed them again during the commercials. During the third break, they didn't air any wrestling and in- instead announced the conclusion of the match would air during the fourth break. About 40 minutes into the show, they went back for another 30 seconds, airing the conclusion 
acting as if giant and Hogan had been out there for 45 minutes, having this all time classic match, even though neither had yet to break a sweat. We received a ton of complaining phone calls and faxes about the sleazy method TNT used to artificially spike the ratings <laughs> of Robin hood and work their wrestling fans. So there you go. Oh, have at it, Eric. Oh my God. A ratings ploy. It's a ploy. It's this dark, nefarious, evil scumbag ploy. What a fucking dipshit. David is it. it, it uh, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I promised myself I wasn't going to do it. Who came up with but, the idea of tune in during commercials? Is that your idea or their idea? Uh, it was probably Brad Siegel and I both. Okay. Brad Siegel probably came to me and said, what can we do? Okay. Within the structure of the show, what can we do? And, uh, I would say it was Brad Siegel and I, but probably more me than Brad in terms of how to execute it. Brad's idea originally, my idea or my contribution was probably in the execution of it. Now, Brad probably had something to say about how many breaks he wanted to try to uh, execute this, you know, ratings ploy. <laughs> and I'm sure that Meltzer's fax machine. First of all, if the motherfucker got a fax, where would he find it? Have you ever seen a picture of, of his working area? Yes. Unless that motherfucking fax got dropped in on a, attached to something from the sky, he wouldn't have been able to find it anyway. But whatever. I'm uh, But it would probably been, hey, Brad, Brad Cook. Hey, Eric, what can we do? Kind of build, we create some awareness, do some, you know, promotion, adjacent programming, all of that kind of stuff that networks always do. What can we do? Eric says, oh, well, what if we do this? Brad says, hmm, can we extend that out over three or four breaks? Eric says, yeah, it's going to be tough, but we'll figure it out. And then we got together, we figured it out. By the way, does anybody know what the ratings was for Robin Hood in that premiere episode? I don't, but I bet it was pretty good. I bet it was pretty good. And so, so look, let's find out. it looks like we're going off the air there, but let's listen. I babbled too much. We come to you live from the Superdome in New Orleans as the match continues. Hulk Hogan and the Giant. And let me tell you this, since the time you've been watching Robin Hood, the new adventure Robin Hood, the Giant Mike today has taken the fight right to Hulk Hogan. The Giant has totally dominated this matchup. Those knife-edge chops a la the Nature Boy Ric Flair have Hogan reeling. Well, it's very obvious to me that Hogan does not know what to do with this big man. He's lied to him. He's promised a movie part. He's done everything he can to use this man. Now he has to fight this big, big man. And nothing he can do to the giant will bother the giant. Look at him. He just keeps walking right towards him. Low blows and everything. And look at the giant. Will not be deterred. He pulled the referee in front of him. Talk about that lack of a game plan. We just saw Ted DiBiase in the background, and there is concern etched on the face of Mr. DiBiase at this point in time. Well, there should be concern on their faces because they're in the ring with the biggest athlete in pro sports today, Hogan Heath. Oh, he has his hands full. Look at the giant stopping the bandana, the NWO's bandana down the throat of Hollywood Hulk Hogan. I like that they put all this on the network. You know, I mean, it would, I kind of assumed that they would have just edited it out. And when nitro was over, nitro was over, but they at least added this back in, which I think is pretty cool. It is cool. We get to see that sleazy promotional effort <laughs> that, that, you know, we, we utilize to what's called in the television industry is cross promotion. 
but it was sleazy because it wasn't his shoot, right, Dave? Fucking Nimrod. <laughs> <laughs> I love you take such personal offense. I mean, it was a ratings ploy, but it's not this negative. It was thing. a rating strategy, for God's sake. It's what everybody does. You you got hate with the word ploy, don't you? You hate the yeah, word ploy. Yeah, I do ploy. because it, I do because it is a perfect example of how anything that WCW was doing, no matter how successful, had to be contextualized in a negative way. That's why, because he's a. Ooh, I almost said it. I no, I'm glad you did. Don't do that. Don't be. I mean. caught myself. Thank, thank you. <laughs> I'm really excited to uh, use the word ploy in our real life conversation sometime soon, just to see if you can get your attention. Oh, it'll get my attention. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Very few things at this stage of my life. I can guarantee, but that is one of them, man. This is uh, listen. I, I read some, uh, you know, trying to prepare for this show. I, I read a bunch of different reviews from different websites and things and got their take. Well, take a listen here. And he's winning. He's having his way with him. Hogan. Hogan said, let's get out of here. He said, I quit. Go get him, Giant. Go Hogan has run away from the Giant. Clean house. What I was saying is that's how Nitro went off the air. Classic stuff. But I saw online as I was trying to do research for this show, people saying, oh, this was a, this was a C show. This was a D show. Man, what are you talking about? This was an A show. I mean, I understand. I now have the benefit of, uh, of hindsight and, and I'm a big nostalgia guy, but how could you say that was anything other than a fun program right there? Give me that over any raw or nitro or a lot of dynamites these days. Like I enjoyed that show. Yeah. I, I mean, that's again, that's the dirt sheet wrestling community, which is the loudest 5% of the audience. Um, trying to get attention for themselves and jerking themselves off to their own fucking want to be, you know, I wish I was, I should be doing wrestling. I should be a booker. I should be a producer. I should be a wrestler. That's all that kind of talk really is. Um, that was a great show. It served its purpose. Over 10,000 people bought tickets to be a part of it. It was a party. It was what was happening in 1997. And oh, by the way, we beat our competition on a fucking Monday night, which I'm assuming was, eh, I don't know what we were up against during this, this period of time, but this was head to head competition on a Monday night where we beat our competition, our best show against their best show straight up head to head apples to apples. We beat them by over 30% in the ratings. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. And it's a great way to kind of listen to what people had to say then and what they had to say now and compare it to what the reality really was. And just the disconnect between the loudest, you know, 5% of the audience and the dirt cheek wrestling community that was just not even close to what the, you know, the main audience was feeling. Really a fun program. I love 1997. I'm going to be excited to compare and contrast it to clash of the champions next week. As a reminder, that's what we're covering. Uh, and I believe it's the second to last ever clash of the champions, January 21st, 1997, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I think it's number 34. The main event is Lex Luger and Scott Hall. Uh, it's going to be a good time to take a look at what a special looked like versus what nitro looked like. Of course, once upon a time, 
clash of the champions was uh, way different from what you would see on traditional WCW programming. But now with nitro, it almost feels like it's a little bit of an afterthought. So we'll talk about that in a lot more next week. And of course, we're going to be talking a lot more about Eric and Jeff live.com. I'm pretty excited, man. You know, we haven't done a live show in a while because of COVID and all that. This will be our first shot back. We're getting our pal Jeff with us. And, uh, with you and Jeff, with the shared history of WCW, TNA, WWE, and there's lots of rumor and innuendo that Jeff Jarrett is starting a promotion this year. We're going to get to the bottom of a lot of, a a lot of different topics. And I'm excited about it. Pick your tickets up. Join us. It's the 29th. It's Saturday, right before the Royal rumble in St. Louis. We're not taping it. So you can ask anything. We can be honest. We can be transparent and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun at Eric and Jeff should be a good time, dude. I am really looking forward to it. I love the energy. You know, somebody asked me uh, on after 83 weeks, the YouTube show that we do, which by the way, if you're a member of every shows, you get a, a portion of that show. Um, but somebody asked me, you know, what was the difference between, you know, performing live, for example, in Detroit, which I did, you know, a couple of weeks ago on WWE Monday night raw and performing live, you know, in, in a show like we're going to do with, with Jeff Jarrett and, I love the energy from both, but it's different energy, you know, in St. Louis on the 29th, it's going to be a much more intimate yes. kind of thing. And it's going to be probably end up being, you know, an hour and a half, two hours, two and a half hours, who knows how long it's going to be. Um, but it's just more intimate. It's more interactive and I can't pick one over the other. I love performing. I love being on stage and I love the energy that, you know, being in front of a live crowd brings. So I'm really, really, I'll, I guarantee you, I will be the person in that room that is having the most fun guarantee it. Well, we hope you join us. It's uh, Eric and Jeff live.com. Don't forget. You get all of our shows that we've talked about and teased and promoted today early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com. And I think we'll have one, maybe two, or even three big announcements next week about ad free shows, join in on all the fun at adfreeshows.com. And, uh, until next week, man, I'm looking forward to it. Another episode of 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.